Hi everyone, welcome to Follow Your Path with Cara Hunter. I'm a tarot reader, Reiki healer and spiritual coach. And today I'm joined with Becky Walsh and I'm really excited to have you here, Becky. How are you today? Excited as well. <laughs> <laughs> if we're all excited, excited is such a good feeling, isn't it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, hello everyone. So um, I'm Becky Walsh and I do a really a great number of different things it's like having lots of different hats so I'm the author of a book called you do know learning to act on intuition instantly which is out with a hay house um but I also mix personal development subjects with comedy and that's probably why we're both feeling a little bit excited because <laughs> because it's such a quirky strange thing to do because most subjects on mental health I don't know Cara have you ever been to a TED talk and walked away thinking I'm a little bit rubbish <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes I go to these inspirational things and just think nah, I'm a bit I'm a bit mamish and and I think that that's why I decided to put like so much more kind of comedy into that personal development realm and I've been in that personal development realm now for about uh, 23 years but I just got so fed up with this earnest kind of thing of people telling you what to do and I was like no, I know what I'm supposed to do don't, they don't need to tell me what to do because now I just feel rubbish about the fact that I'm not doing it so actually um, we have these stuck voices in our head and when we can poke light-hearted humour at this stuckness it instantly becomes unstuck and you as a tarot reader would would know that sometimes just that little bit of insight actually is the one thing that somebody needs to know in order to get running and moving with their life so that's what I do oh I just love it I just really love it. that's why I just I had to say please come on my podcast because <laughs> it'd be such a fun you know conversation and something really fun for all my listeners um and I, I just do think that generally we take life too seriously you know um I know I definitely have have times in my life um where it just gets all too serious and then um you know I meet someone and we have a bit of a banter and we just really hit it off and we have a laugh and oh my god I just feel so much better and I think like you say about kind of like um kind of take the mickey out of ourselves actually you know just having a bit light-hearted because we I think we just feel quite we all beat ourselves up don't we we're all trolley perfect all the time and then we'd be so we're in the cycle stuck in the cycle aren't we of trolley perfect then we can't quite do it so then we beat ourselves up and feel bad and you get stuck in this cycle but actually we're all in the same cycle so why don't we all just like say have a laugh about it it's part of life and why feel bad you know <laughs> and this is the thing and it's you know Bernie Brown says it and I think she's spot on with this that you know what you're talking about there is connection and you know, when you feel connection to another human being, you don't feel alone. And I remember um, there's a, a, another great, I keep creating spiritual teachers, but, you know, because I've read a lot of books. Um, I, I once got into a conversation with, with Robert Holden. Um, he's, he's brilliant. If you've not come across his work, he did a lot of stuff with Louise Hay, really clever, clever guy. And he was saying as well that fear is a sign that you're being too independent. And when he said that, it was, you know, when you have those light bulb moments and I suddenly realised that I spend a lot of my life being independent. And I don't know about you, but I was programmed to be an independent woman. I come from that, you know, born in the 1970s. All men are this. All this is that. You've got to be your own woman and stand up for yourself and all the rest of it. Now, this is not necessarily bad teaching. I know that I'm using my uh, very polite mocking voice about it, but. What ended up happening with that is this is this call for independence became a call of isolation and not just from men, but from other women as well, because 
I, I have found that actually I've had more trouble with patriarchal women than I actually have with men. I mean, apart from the sexual harassment stuff, which is a completely different subject that we won't get into, but but I've had more kind of like knocks or what I call candle blower outers, who people who want to put you down basically and don't want to light your candle. If you can surround yourself with people who light your candle, people who go yay when you're doing really well, because it's really easy to, to have people who support you when you're the underdog, especially in the UK. We really love an underdog. So you can have people who really want to support you when you're not doing well, when you're struggling, when stuff is really difficult. But actually finding someone who will celebrate with you when you're doing really well and not go, oh, well, that just makes me look really bad if you're doing really well. If you can find people to celebrate with, then you feel... You just feel stronger. You feel supported. You feel, and that could even be the person that's selling you a cappuccino. So I think that that teaching about being strong and being independent has very much left us feeling a little bit isolated and disconnected. Um, so I've spent a lot of time trying to regain those connections and also trying to be those connections um, for, for other people, if I can, which is like why you and I are talking, you know, because through listening to podcasts, you also have... And it's not exactly the same as an in-person um, connection, but by listening to someone else speak, you also don't feel quite as like, mm, there's only just me in the world. Um, and you feel a connection, which is what life is about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes such a big difference. Um, and I think, like you say, about the kind of independence and, and feeling isolation, I think we're kind of, we feel like we have, sometimes we have to feel like we have to be really strong all the time. And actually, I think that's really quite damaging because you're trying to be strong all the time. You're bottling up emotions, you know, and that's what causes burnouts, breakdowns, those sort of things in the end, because people are trying to be too strong for too long. And actually, it's good to have a bit of a cry and, you know, it's good and it's good to, to share. But we're not we're not really programmed that, are we, to, to, you know, to, to share with others. But also, like you say, the set, you know, so it's always kind of like a bit sort of like, you know, someone asks how you are and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. You know, um, no one actually really wants to know what a bad day you've had or, you know, like the long story. But also you don't really want to kind of you feel bad sharing it, don't you? You know, so um, I think when you're with friends and things that we should actually just say, um, oh, yeah, actually, you know, I'm struggling a little bit today or whatever. But also on the other side, just celebrate the wins. You know, like you say, it's, you feel bad. Sometimes you've done really well, but you don't want to sing it off the rooftops because you feel sort of bad you shouldn't you know share the celebrations and how well we feel like we shouldn't share how well we've done at something or our achievements that sort of thing as well so I think like you say the connections and the sharing the good and the bad but then that's when you find out that someone else has also had a bad day or experienced that or whatever or like you say someone congratulates you and says oh well done and like you said that connection is so important and you 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 know go away feeling so good when you shared it with someone oh my god you know what right if you have a really awful day at work I really like you saying, so I've got a couple of people I see this with, um, you know, this is no offence to, you know, human beings, because I know, I know in the spiritual world that we're supposed to kind of like look at people and go, okay, well, obviously that person's surrounded in limiting beliefs and that's why they're acting up in a work environment, you know, or they, you know, have imposter syndrome and that's why they're acting up in a work environment. But I like making up names for them. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had like I had a friend who had this really awful manager and and she just went the thing is she goes she goes she says all of these nasty little microaggressions like she said to her one day she goes have you been swimming and she went I've been in work like two hours no I haven't been swimming she went oh it's just you know your hair looks um 
wet. And she was like, oh, my God. And then she gives me this snuck smile. She went, she's got one tooth right at the beginning, she, right in the middle of her mouth, she said, which is just a bit bent. So we ended up giving her the, the, the name Snaggletooth, right? <laughs> now, like, you know, it sounds like some kind of like thing from Harry Potter. <laughs> which is Snaggletooth. And, um, and so every time this woman had a go at her, and, and she always used to smile afterwards. And it was always these little microaggressions. It's the kind of, a, it's almost like gaslighting, right? It's the kind of aggressions that if you said to somebody, oh, she just told me my hair looked wet, that person would go, I think you've been a little bit sensitive. I don't think she meant anything by that. So you, so you can't kind of put in, you know, some kind of grievance or anything like that, because you would sound like you were mad. But if you were to write a list of this person's just like misdemeanors, someone would go, oh my God, this woman is off the scale in, in the in the bitchery. And, um, and so, but by calling a snaggletooth, she went, every time she says something nasty, I'm just waiting for the smile and it cracks me up. And she said, and I'm just laughing on the inside because I just think, oh, here goes snaggletooth again. And it meant that instead of doing what she was doing before, which is getting really wound up, angry, pulling together all of the things that this woman has ever done, because there's nothing she can actually do about this woman, not really apart from punching her in the face, which is actually illegal. Um, she, she, just, and she just dissipated the, the tension because there's one thing we are in control of, which is our thoughts. We don't think we are, but we are. We are the thinker of our thoughts. We're not our thoughts. And so from changing her thought to victimised thinking, which is this woman is a persecutor. I love archetypes. This woman is a persecutor and I am a victim. She, she turned herself into the hero, but basically also added the comedian. And this is why the comedian as an archetype is so important. Because if you can laugh at somebody who is literally trying to make your life miserable, you not only keep your power, own, you, own your power, but you are the power in that relationship. Because nothing that this woman can do with her jealousy or whatever it is that's going on for her, her limiting beliefs, all the rest of it, she won't make my friend an actor in her story. Because the thing about archetypes is they're characters. And if you can name a character in another human being, even if it's a really daft, silly name like Snaggletooth, um, <laughs> I still love it. Um, <laughs> sorry, just cracking me up then you actually undermine the power that that person has and then you get to live a happier life. And so that's how, like with the tarot deck, tarot decks are all archetypes and you can probably explain more about that, but tarot decks are all archetypes, um, especially in the major arcana or arcana, depending on, you know, whether it's a scone or a scone. Um, and by, by being able to kind of like, you could almost like use um, a character in the tarot deck uh, to be able to kind of label somebody so that you keep your power back to yourself and you don't end up becoming the hangman in the story. And of course, hangman is about transformation, but you don't end up standing on your head looking like an idiot. <laughs> Even in a yoga pose. Still yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a really fun idea and I think that's really good. I've definitely um, given that a lot of thought because I've definitely had times in the past where I've had bosses that have just made me miserable you know constant picking constant put downs and like you say when it's not bad enough to be bullying or you know to be actually like you say if you report it you know then they can twist it around or whatever and it, it just doesn't you just look like a complete um like say oversensitive person who you know it just it doesn't just doesn't make sense at all if you try and complain or say anything about it um and I've had that before where I've just felt totally miserable and I think that is brilliant if you can find some kind of humor um in, in the situation and um, like you say, against that kind of person in a way to, to, to lighten it up in your head and to, and to, and to also, like you say, a reminder 
that it's their stuff and it's not. I think that's one of the hardest things in life is, is a reminder that when ba- people behave a certain way, it's their stuff. It's not about you. Um, and I still have to remind myself about that sometimes, you know, something happens and something hurts me. And but I have to remember that's the way they are. They would behave like that with anybody. It's not about me personally. Um, and to add an element of humor into that as well. And, and like you say, maybe having a colleague or a friend that you can have that kind of like banter with and that kind of giggle with um, and, and just and just spin the whole situation on its head and just and just lighten it up. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life was thinking that I needed to teach people better behaviour. I have no business doing that. No business at all. And I used to find myself in, in I used to work in theatre and theatre is always full of drama. And I used to find that, you know, there were certain colleagues. In, it's like I just would end up being bullied because I, I don't I, I don't know. I don't get perhaps so wound up as other people do about certain things. Like I'm not sweating the small stuff kind of thing. And so I used to find that if I wasn't sweating the small stuff, that there would be sometimes a, a colleague who would insist that I did. And so they would push or, or try and do things and they would be mean or nasty or whatever it was. And I would try and educate them in a way. And I know this sounds like a funny sort of like thing to say, but again, archetypally, I think that there's roles that we're born to play. And I've always been a rescuer or an educator or somebody who kind of, you know, brings truth into a situation. And I know that there's multiple truths. And in actual fact, nobody has any version of reality that is actually set in reality because it's all based on perception. I get all of that. But I would always want to say, you know, you're behaving like that, especially if I saw somebody being mean to somebody else. I I was even like this in the playground. I'd kind of like, you know, shirt sleeves up, get myself right in the middle of the situation teaching educating all of that stuff and then I suddenly kind of realized one day that actually I was making my own life hell by doing this and luckily I'd gone into a career you know of being an intuitive catalyst and working in a similar field to you you know so I found an outlet for something that was my my personality was my being was my purpose was my breath and I found an outlet for it which meant I stopped doing it in my personal life, I stopped doing it with friends. I stopped doing it. God, what a relief that was. Well, it's a relief because people really don't like being told what to do. It's strange because I'm right. So I do not understand why they don't like being told what to do. But guess what? They, they don't. And if you tell them what to do, quite often they resist. I know. It's ridiculous because I am, <laughs> like I say, always right. But uh, So I found that by using humour in sessions and also teaching, I, I teach... This is weird. I'm just going to share this with you. I've, I've gone off at a tangent, but I was thinking about this the other day. So I have a number of different jobs. And one of my jobs is is I teach local government. So I teach um, councils, local councils um, about um, civility and respect or how to deal with challenging people, all of those things. Now, years ago, the one thing I wanted to do more than anything was be a Hay House author. I was like, I want to be a Hay House author. I want to be a spiritual teacher. And when I got all of that and and had my own radio show and I had TV shows and I had books out there and I had a certain amount of fame and notoriety, which was like, I got in a taxi. This was the height of it for me. I got in a taxi in London right, and spoke to the taxi driver and he just stopped, turned around and looked at me and he went, you're Becky Walsh. 
and I was like, oh my God, I'm actually famous. And uh, I was like, I was, I can't tell you. I was like, oh my God, like this is what it feels like. And then he, he bent my ear um, about a problem that he's got. And I, I, I ended up counselling him uh, all the way to the destination. Then he never charged me. It was like the best taxi journey I've ever had. It was amazing. It was such a good feeling. It was so cool. But I felt ineffectual. I mean, apart from the taxi driver, I felt ineffectual. I, I was doing all of this work, but there was something missing. And, and I think it was because when you're like, and, you know, this idea of becoming like a spiritual teacher, you're not really on the front line and you're talking to usually other people who are into spirituality so you're also and pretty much regurgitating as I did on the start of the call I talked about Robert Holden's work I talked about Brené Brown a lot of the time you find yourself regurgitating other spiritual teachers and if you read an awful lot of self-help books and personal development books as I have it gets freaking boring because they're pretty much all saying the same thing, you know, like manifest this or do that or whatever. But they're all pretty much saying the same thing. And, and in fact, I remember uh, in a meeting with Hay House when they talked about my book and they said, this is the first revolutionary idea we have had in years um, because we usually get the same regurgitated message and story and you do know it's very different because it talks about having a brain in the gut and a brain in the heart so it actually talks about the science about how your intuition works um, and so it was a revolutionary book and then lots of books have kind of been spawned off the back of that book that's got more science and men in lab coats that have backed up an awful lot of, of the stuff that I knew intuitively in that book which has been very gratifying but really annoying because uh, their bestsellers and mine isn't moving on um, so now with working with people who are stopping psychopaths and narcissists getting into government because if you look around you there's a heck of a lot of them um working on the front line with the people who are actually making government decisions and i'm blown away and i was thinking about this is why i'm bringing it up now i was thinking about this laying in bed you know how you you've got your oprah and she's kind of praying up to god or just guide me I think I probably said that a number of years ago, what a huge mistake that was. And uh, and I never thought that my spiritual career, if I want to be a spiritual teacher, would actually take me into the front line of actually where it's needed most, especially with what's going on in the world. Anyway, that was a big that was a big um, voice fart for you there. But I, there was some kind of point. But um, it, it's it's just interesting that when people are struggling in a workplace because they are working with someone who's really difficult, whether or not you're working in a supermarket, whether or not you are working in a hospital, whether or not you are a teacher, whether or not you sell shoes, you are in the front line of people. Even if you're packing boxes at Amazon, whatever it is that you're doing, you are in the front line of people. You are you are on the front line of what it is to be human. You're on the front line of life. And I just think I like working in that way so much more than me being a spiritual teacher, talking to a room who smell of last night's hummus and yoga. You know, it's 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 no offense to them, but they're definitely more <laughs> bendy than I am. My, my my I've lost my neck, my shoulders are now up by my ears, but I, I still love it. It's great. Well, I, I like the point you were saying about um you know, sort of regurgitating um, what you've read and all those sort of things. I think that's why um, I decided early on to be, you know, to, to try and find, I just have a bit of a unique angle, you know, and just try and look at things a little bit differently. And, and um, 
yeah I know and I because because I I had that like I, I went through all that where I was looking for self-help and looking for people to help me and you know you go to you do go to some of these therapists and they just have these tools and they just they just relay these same tools to you you know and you just feel like you don't feel like an individual you don't feel like you've been treated as an individual so that's why what I do is I actually look at people and kind of tailor it to them and I say um like a bit of an example with me off on a tangent but you know when when you can't don't sleep well you know every person you go to says do not watch tv before bed no electronics and all that but i have tried everything i could meditate for four hours and it won't put me to sleep the only thing that works if i can't switch off is watching tv i don't care what any professional you know person tells me <laughs> i know what works so i so i kind of like te- you know trying to teach my people that that you know listen to all this stuff listen to all the advice but ultimately do what feels right to you you know and i think that's mm-hmm. what really important is to teach people that is do what feels you know take it take it take it away but say you know i like that bit that bit doesn't feel good that bit doesn't feel right you know um because otherwise you go away thinking well I, I mustn't do that at this time and i mustn't do that at that time when i'm I, you know i mustn't eat that and i mustn't you know but actually everyone's a little bit different aren't they Oh, 100%. I mean, there there is no such thing as neurotypical. I think everybody has a certain level of neurodiversity. And it's funny, I was out uh, having dinner with a few friends, and a friend of mine has got um, ADHD. And uh, she she made a little joke, which is she said something about, you know, uh, uh, I can never keep a diary or a calendar or blah, 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 and just kind of like made it. And she goes, ADHD. And someone sitting opposite the table went, have you thought about having a and I just thought, oh, please don't, please don't. As a neurotypical person, please don't make a suggestion for someone who has ADHD about how they best could control. And I felt the energy of the person who, who's got ADHD just sink. Yeah. And then, of course, that person came up with some kind of like, you know, um, calendar app or something like that, which if, you, if you're neurotypical, yeah, you know, I'm sure that that works but you're not actually listening to where someone is in that neurodiversity. And the thing about sleep is sleep is so complex. It's such a big, it's so, so complex. And, you know, I'm a person that I need 10 hours sleep, right? I, I, I just am weird like that. And I've been like that since being a kid. My mother made me a really long dressing gown uh, to slow me down because I'd have to go crawl, crawl, pull, pull, crawl, crawl, pull, pull, crawl, crawl, pull, pull, because I would put myself to bed. And sometimes I'd do that in the middle of the afternoon. They go, oh, my God, where's she gone? And then I'd somehow and they still they don't know how I did this, but they put bars on the side of my cot and I would get over the bars. And I remember doing it. I would literally put my body weight on my big toe no wonder I have I have a I have a problem with my big toe joint on one foot and put um I put my body weight on my big toe and then pivot with the bar on my hips and fall onto my head and actually that also explains quite a lot and then and then just curl up and go to sleep I wanted to be in bed but I sleep in two halves so I go to bed at nine. That's really normal for me. And then I wake up at three and I, I'm usually awake for about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, I very much like it. It's my time. Like n- no one can expect me to write an email. No one can call me at that time. It's my time. No one, nobody can bother me at that time. So, you know, I then can go hour and a half wide awake. Sometimes I write. Sometimes I make a cup of hot water. Sometimes I, you know, piddle about, do whatever it wants, what I want to do. Then I know I'll go back to sleep again. And then I'll wake up at half past six, seven o'clock, bright as a button. And also it depends on how you wake up because within the first 25 minutes of waking up, 
your brain um, will release cortisol. And this is why if you have a coffee before the first 25 minutes, uh, after within the 25 minutes of waking up, you can actually interrupt your cortisol so that it doesn't make cortisol because it's making, um, I think it's adrenaline that comes out of the coffee. So it's always better to have your coffee after the first hour of waking up, because if you don't, then you can mess up your system. The cortisol is important because that's the thing that gives you the the push to get out of bed and start your day. And they also say that people who uh, are suffering with depression don't produce the cortisol when they first wake up in the morning, which is why they wake up and don't want to get out of bed because the cortisol isn't there. If you're unlucky, like if I was to create cortisol at three o'clock in the morning when I wake up, that would be me awake for the rest of the, 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 the morning. But you can, well, yeah, you wouldn't go back to sleep. And you can trigger that cortisol by starting to think about your day and worrying on it or catastrophizing on it will then actually trigger the cortisol so then you won't be able to go back to sleep. Now, just even what I'm telling you now, like that's, like that's not stuff that's really that well known. And unless you actually find this stuff fascinating, you find neuroscience and brain chemicals fascinating. People don't necessarily know that. But the getting off to sleep is so personal. It's so personal. You can't say, oh, it's don't watch TV or don't do that or don't do the other, because it can be based on so many different things. The chemicals that you've got going on in the brain, what it is that you eat, how it is that you think. It's just huge. It's huge. It's huge. But then that's why you and I work with intuition, because when you work with intuition, you know that someone is saying something. But it's the space in between the words, it's the breath, it's how they move, it's all of that subtlety. And you may suddenly get a a picture in your head or a thought in your head or something pops in where you go, ah, you know, that's what's going on with this person. And rather than listening to everything that they say, because we all have stories that we tell ourselves and we also have stories that someone else has given us. And sometimes it's getting out of someone else's story to find the truth of what's going on, not the story that is being told. Um, And then when you can do that, then you can actually get the person to see for themselves what it is that is stopping them from sleeping. But it's it's an art form to be able to do that. And there's not well, I said there's not many people that can do it. But how do I know? I have no idea (laughs) in my experience. But I haven't looked that hard. I I don't (laughs) want the competition. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it, it's really interesting what you said about the sleep but let's not make this um this uh <laughs> about, about you i know what you mean <laughs> it's not about me having a, a sleep session with you is it you know so we'll <laughs> talk about that later so uh... <laughs> i'll come around with a hammer bonk there you okay. go um but yeah i think like you know going back to the kind of laughter side of things um you know, I, I go back to actually times in my life where I, I actually had bad depression at one point and I took me, you know, I had a bit of time off work. I struggled through it a bit. Um, and actually one of the things that really helped me was I found a group of friends. I went to a like a, a, a gym and I found a group of friends and we did dancing and stuff together. And we then we made friends and we used to have lunch and dinners and we just formed this little group. And do you know what? We laughed and laughed and laughed. And it's really weird because it was the worst time of my life and the best time of my, my life at the same time. And mm. what it taught me was that you 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 can't have fun. Even in bad times, you can still have fun. I think we, I think sometimes we're like, we're all down or we're all up. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a good time yeah. or a bad time. It's all one or the other. And actually 
I, I do forget it at times. You know, I, I sink into a bit of a, I wouldn't say a bad time, but, you know, stress and things go on in my life and I forget about the fun and the laughs, you know, and then and then something reminds me and I think, hang on a minute, it, it needs balance. You need balance. And, and it is possible to be having a really crappy time and also have a laugh as well. well they say that about the war, don't they? You know, I mean, clearly I'm not old enough, but they say, they say that about the war. They say, oh, you know, it wasn't like this during the war. It's kind of, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean I'm not like, you know, I, I've got to be very careful of saying something like that because I'm not about to say, oh, you know, they're having a right old laugh in the Ukraine at the moment. You know, oh, it's just like hideous, hideous, hideous. But yeah, it's, it is interesting that that level of, I don't know what it is. It's It's like when you've got nothing to lose, you kind of let go because there's there's not there's nothing to lose. So why would you hold on? So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Human beings, weird things. <laughs> we are, we are, and I think you touched on something earlier about everyone being different, and that's something I find quite fascinating. Is that why do we we expect everyone to agree with us? People get really annoyed when people don't agree. And actually, what makes the world different is is you know what makes the world go round is everybody being different you know and yes I mean, there are there certainly is you know rights and wrongs and that sort of thing but you know ultimately we don't have to agree with each other because if we all did then what then what would the world be like you know <laughs> so can't, oh. can't we let it be yeah. you know i think sometimes we just need to maybe let it be and say well that person doesn't think the same as me but that's okay <laughs> yeah i just think ugh, they're clearly uneducated <laughs> <laughs> move on fine you know <laughs> Think what you like. Move on. <laughs> Back to me being right. Where was I? Um, <laughs> but you, 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 you know, and this is the problem with social media. Like somebody, somebody just corrected something. I, I've got my new show coming out, so I, I've got this show called Burnout, and the tickets have just gone on sale. And I've done that typical thing. I always do it with my own level of neurodiversity. Um, I put that it's on at eight o'clock in the morning. It's clearly not. It's clearly on at eight o'clock at night. And then, of course, someone has to correct you. It's fine. I mean, I don't mind them correct. I don't mind them correcting me clearly, <laughs> um, but you know, it's like you just go, oh God's sake! It's it's the it, I kind of like want to go. I'll give you a medal. Well done, well done. You know, you can tell the difference between uh, eight o'clock and whatever it is, twenty hundred hours. I just I hate. I just can't. Do you know what? I just banned the banned the twenty four hour clock. Ban it. <laughs> it's going in room 101 I can't be doing with it but it's and I always make that mistake and because and I tell you something I'm terrified when I'm booking flights because I'm I'm like double check double check again check it one more time it's like checking that you lock the door but I have to do it like five or six times and I don't know why I keep yeah. checking because if I've got it wrong the first time I'll check it wrong and wrong and wrong again. Um, but when you're booking flights, that's an expensive mistake to make if you get the time wrong on a flight. Uh, but getting it wrong on a Facebook ad, <laughs> yeah. let's not worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you think it's eight o'clock in the morning that I'm going to be doing comedy, you are having a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have had that actually, you know, where you, you see look, things like that or whatever, you know, and, and you think, should I say something? Shouldn't I? But you know, most of the time I do just let it go because you think, well, that person's going to eventually notice, or someone else is going to tell them anyway. Or, or you, like in that sort of situation, it's, it's clearly obvious. They, you know, I think if it's obvious they've made a mistake, then you don't really need to tell them, do you? Because it's just clearly, oh, yeah. you know, it's clearly obvious. And also DM them, like just send them a private yeah. message instead yeah. of like, I'm opting for public humiliation yeah. that will yeah. make me look like I'm a real smart guy. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> I, that's the other thing about work like now we're off on one 
um, people <laughs> who, who correct somebody and CC everyone in. <laughs> we need to kill those people. <laughs> Why do they do that? Like, and also, it's like the snippy little email, right? And, and, and they CC and everyone in. And the, the ones I love the most is when they've made the mistake and they've CC'd everyone in. They're like, oh, I think you'll find it's this. <laughs> and then in actual fact, someone writes back and goes, no, actually, it's not. It's this. And then, and then everyone's like, wah, wah, wah. it's just, oh, grow up. Like, oh, my God. Like, CCing should be banned. And BCCing isn't, oh. should be illegal. It's just, for God, just God. I just, it's office life, man. It's just one of those things which is just like, it's that one-upmanship of how can I devalue you in order to raise my own value in the perception of everybody else? Well, I'll tell you how you raise your value. You raise your game. Stop being a lazy ass. That's how you do it. You, you don't put other people down, you moron. Uh, and other good names that you can call, call people like Snaggletooth Moronic. Um, oh, no, that has an F word in it. Never mind. <laughs> How many times have we um, accidentally replied to all or or sent an email to the wrong person? I actually sent a message to the wrong person the other day. It wasn't actually that disastrous, but it was a little bit tricky. How, that is quite embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, mate, I, I managed to put a picture of my own nipple as my profile picture on WhatsApp once. <laughs> I would love to tell you I was joking. <laughs> It was a close-up, so, I mean, it could have been mistaken for my face, but with a rather squishy nose. Uh, but, yeah, I did I did that. I can't tell you what I was supposed to be doing, but all I can tell you is I will never do it again. <laughs> but no one would have known it was, it was your nipple, but you've just told everyone on the podcast now, haven't you? <laughs> so uh, they, they, they t- it totally would have been t- totally... I mean, I mean, I don't go around taking pictures of my friend's nipples, weirdly. Oh, t- um, or researching oh. them online and photoshopping <laughs> them. You know, it's just like, it was black and white, so it was moody and arty, quite frankly. But, oh. yeah, I, I tell you, I t- just there's, there's no point trying to... No, no. Flirt, flirtiness like that, huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't drink wine and accept messages from boyfriends who are overseas. Just don't do it. Never mind. Okay. Oh well. Anyway, it's been lovely chatting. <laughs> <laughs> on that on that note, um... <laughs> I was actually... going to ask me now where where people can see me. Well, it's not on WhatsApp. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did you want to talk a bit about your um, your new show, Burnout? You did mention it earlier, but. Did you want to yeah, talk about I'm that? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah, so I think we've just all been like, I think we're all a bit frazzled, really. I think we've gone through quite a lot with COVID. And I think we didn't realise how burnt out we are because, especially with lockdowns, you think, well, I can't be burnt out, you know, for those of us who weren't working or whatever, whatever. You think, well, I can't be burnt out. But actually, you can get burnt out through doing nothing, believe it or not, from not having enough to do. Um, so burnout's a really interesting thing. And it got me thinking, um, and so I did quite a lot of research into the neuroscience around burnout and decided to turn it into a comedy show because it clearly is it's hilarious. Um, so uh, so I've created the show called Burnout. And then all of these analogies started coming up, you know, like I've got too much on my plate. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen and, and other stuff. And so I decided that my comedy show was going to be set around kitchen utensils. Right? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I'm measuring energy through quantities of spoons and um 
lots of stuff uh you know stick a fork in me i'm done uh and so uh, i've created this entire comedy show around the subject of burnout so you're going to learn about what burnout is but you're also going to have a really good laugh and the thing about emotions is they have a beginning a middle and an end and one of the greatest ways to get out of emotions is to have a good laugh so we're going to be doing all of that it's launching the blake hay theater which is in western supermare uh, on the 23rd of february I'm then going to do uh, another version in Western. I'm doing it uh, an outside one in the summer. I'm doing another one in Burnham-on-Sea. And anyone who wants me to rock up and you're going to give me a venue, I'll do it anyway, really. I also come along to the opening of an envelope. Um, so, yeah, so it's just, I think one of the things that I found, and again, going back to going out and doing all of these kind of like, you know, mind, body, spirit, spiritual, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, is the people I was trying to reach didn't go to those places, you know. So um, let's take it to the pubs. Let's take it to the theatres. Let's take it to outside spaces where people who would not be seen comfortable on the comfortable couch in a in therapy um or you know wouldn't be seen dead kind of going to um, a mind body spirit festival or anything like that um are very likely to come and see something like this and maybe take some nuggets away some little bits of spirituality some little bits of neuroscience some little bits of psychology that might actually make them want to go and seek um support or help if that's what they need um or basically which is usually what happens at my shows is girlfriends bring their boyfriends along and then the boyfriend comes out and goes, do you know what? I think blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, my God, I've been telling you this for <laughs> ages. And you're actually going to do it now. I can't believe it. So, um, yeah. So um, if you've got a friend that needs therapy, come and bring them along for a laugh. And the bar is always open. So, yeah, it's a good thing. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, that's actually, I can identify with that because that's why I'm doing these podcasts. is because I want to identify with people, like you say, not just um, going out in shops sort of buying crystals and, and, and candles and tarot readings and like you say the mind body spirit festivals those sort of things i want to appeal to to everybody um because it's not just so it's not just about you know it's not just spiritual people you know just just everybody can like you say anyone can take if anyone takes one little nugget away that's helpful to them then job done isn't it basically a hundred percent and it's things like you know i mean i had a radio show on lbc like years and years ago pioneering before anyone was doing anything like this on mainstream media and now you've got like brilliant people like chris evans who's on virgin radio every morning and he's talking about Eckhart Tolle and he's talking about and you just wouldn't have got that. And he started off doing that on BBC Radio 2. And I, I literally kept leaving the floor like because and we're talking like 10, 15 years since I, I, I was doing it on LBC. And then suddenly, like you've got like a mainstream guy talking this stuff. They were actually talking about um, magic mushrooms the other day. And I'm like going <laughs> whoa i mean you know like in terms of sort of like um the uh transformation work that's been looked into in in terms of psychedelics freaking what so exciting that you're getting to hear about this stuff now and so those things are opening up the doors so that people are actually becoming more curious but what we can't have happen is that when people are kind of coming from a very uh matter of fact black and white you're in a physical body um, you know, not, not realising that your spirit having a physical experience, but thinking that you are just a physical body, that if they're coming through the door, there needs to be a little bit of in-between space before you suddenly find yourself with kind of like rose quartz flying out of your bra. You know, it's like there needs to be 
that in-between bit where people find it accessible. And I think the problem with mind, body, spirit for years, and even when I was in it, it's not that accessible. And it's starting to become like certain areas of it are now starting to become accessible for people who don't want to be. I mean, even I still hear now things like all of those hippies. And you don't hear it when you're in London or you're in kind of like a place like London or Manchester or something like that. That's more cosmopolitan. But when you start like going into smaller towns, it's still very stigmatized. So people wanting to make that kind of like leap. Uh, into spirituality or into different ways of thinking, comedy's a really good bridge. It's yeah. just a great bridge. Yeah. So that's why I do it. And also because I love it. I just love it. And I, I usually, because the audience will talk to me and sometimes they're funnier than I am. It's depressing, <laughs> but it's just so great. It's just, it is like, I just, I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I just yeah. love it. I love, yeah. love doing it. It's my favourite thing ever. And I'm so sad it's taken me to the grand old age of 50 to give myself permission to do it full out. Because before I hit 50, there was always a, oh, but what if it doesn't work? And what if, I remember, um, oh, I'm going off on one very slightly, but it'll be quick, um, that, you know, I'd got the hey, house contract. I was doing lots of different things. and in, But in order to get a mortgage for my house, I had to have a job. So I went back to my old career uh, in theatre part time so that it would help me get a mortgage because I could go, look, here's a bit of paper, blah, blah, blah. And this one night we were really busy. So I jumped in behind the bar and this woman who'd seen me like and knew I was a Hay House author. And I thought I'd thought before she was a little bit kind of, you know, like one of these um, microaggression type people uh, who don't wish the best for you because it makes them look bad, that kind of thing. And I literally saw her scoff to her friend and laugh at me because I was working behind a bar and she'd made the assumption that I was failing because I was working behind a bar. Oh, she's a big Hay House author and look now, she's working behind a bar. And I just thought, you freaking idiot, because I'm about to buy a house. I'm like, I'm making my dreams come true. And dreams don't always look like how you think they look. Yeah. Sometimes dreams look like me working behind a bar. That's what, the, and you know, I would rather be working behind a bar then marketing my ass off, putting up my prices and taking advantage out of the vulnerable because I need to buy a house. So I'll work behind a bar. Thanks ever so much. It's like, no, nah, you don't get to judge me for that. So yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely too much judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There really is. There really is. There really, really is. And that's why we need to laugh about it more. If you're getting judged, laugh it off. And if you're judging people, you really do need to get some more humour. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's another topic we should go on to another day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How to get your inner critic under the uh, to uh, hang out with your court jester. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So, um where can people find you? How can they get in touch? So the website's really easy. It's beckywalsh.com. So um, that's probably the best place to go and everything spins off from that. So I've got a YouTube channel that's just bursting with videos. Um, I've got I've got my own podcast, but God knows where it is anymore. Mm, it's only six episodes. I got bored. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I just did. And um, I've got my book, You Do Know Learning to Act on Intuition Instantly, which is available from all good bookshops and some really awful ones that don't stock it. Um, and uh, you have to order it in from them. And what else? Yeah, I think that that's probably everything. So I've got the usual Instagram, Twitter, all of those and Facebook. So you you can find me if you just put in beckywalsh.com, I'll pop up. Fantastic. And I'll put some details in the, in the comments at the bottom afterwards for anybody. So if you, if you haven't bought all this, don't worry. I shall, I shall write it all, all up in the um, 
in the notes afterwards. So um, thank you so much for being here, Becky. I've, I've loved it. I've, I was really excited about doing this with you. And it's so lovely to have you here and have this chat. So I'm grateful. Thank you for, for joining, give, you know, giving my listeners some entertainment and some, some information that will, will help them, you know. So thank you so much. No, well, thank you for inviting me. Give me the outlet. Really appreciate it. That's okay. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Um, I'll put the in the comments like I always do about where to find me and where to find Becky. And um, thanks for being here, Becky. And hope everybody has a wonderful day, evening, night or morning, wherever you are in the world. Take care. Bye. Bye.